brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. It's Impendabel who hit the front. Luberon wobbles about. Impendabel the leader. Here comes Tulsi from the back running on strongly. Also Molly Bloom. Tulsi, Molly Bloom is descending strongly after Impendabel. The blooming is done. A star is born. Molly Bloom won the thousand guineas. Beat Impendabel. Third in Tulsi and fourth across Luberon. Then came Mary Shan from Fire. Ah, ejected into my veins every single day for the rest of my life. Stephen Hunt takes a bath. Although he had her on top as well, to be fair. How good is she, Hunty? What a moment in my life. <laughs> well done, well done. There was a few stressful moments, I'd say, leading in, Louis. Uh, <laughs> you banked on her winning in terms of your your syndicate uh, throughout the week and you got the you got the chocolates. But just back on Molly Bloom, she was outstanding and she had to be just crunching down some numbers. Look, the overall race have gone out to the 661.04, which is 3.3 lengths below open class, Louis, and they've come wow. home last 600 and par, 34.72. So look, the overall speed rating for the Guineas was 1.8 lengths below standard and one length inferior to the boys on day one. So you take all that into consideration, uh, consideration Molly Bloom's performance was elite. Um, yeah. Look, she was second last in an 18-horse field. They just don't do that in Guineas races down at Rickerton. And her last four 200 splits were comfortably in the top five in all circle races on the day. And her last 600 was 3.6 lengths faster than the next best, which happened to be Tulsa. <laughs> <laughs> now that is actually now often these numbers and we can look far too closely and sometimes there's not much to see right it just is as it was that is fascinating so for for just to break this down for people listening that want to know exactly why that is elite horses yet come from that position that she was in big fields like that and scream over the top of them usually do it with hot tempo because a horse can only run a race at a certain distance in a certain amount of time just like a human right Stephen but you're telling us that it's not like they were going with furious tempo which brought her into it she had to get herself off the canvas and reel them in off her own bat and she actually was still a little bit green in the straight she didn't run straight the whole time so that is a mammoth effort 100%, 100%, as I mentioned, 3.3 nets below open class of the 600. So I think on those numbers, it was fair, depending where you are in the first half of the field. And they've come home 34.72 for the last 600, and that's off the front. So that's from taken from the horse that was leading at the last 600-metre mark to the finishing post, the winner. So, yeah, she was phenomenal. I think she recorded a 10-second 10, uh, 10 split between the 6 and the 4 just to get her into the race coming around the wow. home turn. Uh, and as I say, she was elite. And as you mentioned, she's still not the finishing project, is she? She's still a little bit green. Uh, as horses can do down Rickerton for the first time, get a bit lost in the opening straight with a big roomy straight. But uh, yeah, the ceiling's very high when it comes to the daughter of Ace High. And just on Ace High, you look at Victorian Derby winners, they're often knocked in terms of a future stallion. Uh, but both Ace High and Prize Icon have produced first crop group one winners this season as three-year-olds. So... Look, it just adds to the incredible period Richard we're having in the last two to three seasons, Louis. <laughs> well, didn't I? Didn't I know it when I ran into John Thompson uh, in the uh, the, the <laughs> TAB? Sure 
the TAB Intang do at the Carlton Pub afterwards. Johnny T was flying like Molly Bloom, I promise you that. Um, and <laughs> it, was, it was a good night put on by Cam Roger and the crew, actually. So, look, she was great, and Pinder Bell was awesome. I think I was putting more stock into the track than people on the day, and I actually think that's a massive part as to why Molly Bloom managed to reel them in. She got to the perfect part of the footing at that time of the day, and Pinder Bell came through some of that quicksand and still ran really well. Um, there yep. were great run, great runs in behind. There were runs that we'll forget. Tulsi up to the mile finally kind of did what we thought she's been, you know, ready to do for a while. Although she's she's run into a couple better on the day. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought the trap played incredibly well. I mentioned it to you on Saturday morning, and you look back at the last two races on that day, Louis, and you had Betty Spaghetti who drew barrier one and one along the yes. inside. So. Uh, look, I thought the track played extremely well. It's hard to knock the track and, and make a curse on any of the horses that got beaten throughout the carnival. Yeah, look, I think tempo related was the, was the key to a lot of races and how they unfolded at the back end of each and one in every, every single race. But um, look, just looking back on the Beaton Brigade, I, I think Lou Baron, I, I thought her, her run held a lot of merit. Again, she's still learning the cusp of the game, but... I wouldn't be surprised if they drop her back to 1,200 metres, just, just a little mm-hmm. bit on what she's produced at a shorter trip, this preparation, and maybe, maybe a three-year-old. We've seen Crescetti possibly take on the older horses, albeit over 1,400 in the summer. Could she be freshened up towards a railway at Pukekohe over 1,200 metres, Louver on? So, uh, look, there's a little bit done unfold. I think in Pender Bell, she's eligible for the Karaka Million three-year-old race, so that looks the obvious step for her. And Tulsi was very good late as well. And just on the betting, Star of Justice, seven into three at uh. the judge. Incredibly uh, well supported. Probably one of the better bat runners on the carnival in the last four to five minutes. Now, I understand all the algorithms around OP and Tiarka, but as I mentioned leading in, and we spoke about this in the last two to three weeks, the Barnswood just rated inferior to what the soliloquy did, and that's what uh, was revealed in the, uh, the overall result on Saturday afternoon. I mean, it was just, the, it was an insane, pr- I'm going to sound like Mick here, but it was an insane price. It, it, it just, she wasn't, she wasn't that sort of class, I don't think, on that day in particular. I just, way to public money, money and maybe the algos, but anyway, we can leave that. Hey, there's a text here, before we carry on, there's a text here, yep. Cam's, Cam wants to get stuck into you. Can you ask Stephen Hunt why Punchura was at 18 bucks? <laughs> Put 200 bucks on it, so I'm not complaining, but it thought it should have been single figures at all. What was the theory around Punchura and the, the Copelands, and, and did... Did we all kind of miss, apart from Cam, on Punchur and, and getting back to a good track and, you know, the, the strike rate combo of Robbie Patterson and Craig Grimms? I think there's a lot of recency bias around Punchura. She was, or he was, a little bit disappointing at Trent and things didn't work out, but he finished last. He didn't have much room in the straight and the jockey sat up on him in the last furlong or two. I think the wide draw come the middle day was concerning for punters a lot of people saw that it drew the car park and they thought where does this horse map even if it goes forward it could be caught wide but Craig just rode him a treat got to the lead after the first furlong or two where he just had to use a little bit of heat but then he put the brakes on and it was one of the rides of the carnival uh, I thought on Craig Grills and probably taking into account all the other jockeys just fell asleep we talked about the sectionals to the 600 they've gone at least 10 lengths below open class so it did really fade wow. on speed runners in particular the runner the winner pinchura so uh, yeah on the night we were talking about it in terms of when we opened the copelands on uh, on the saturday leading into the wednesday on 2000 guineas day and we just thought with the barrier 18 and the recency bias that it might be left alone and that was that's what was, that's what was unfolded in terms of the betting 
Mm, okay, very interesting. Hope that answers your question, Cam. Uh, Maria Farina, I was very big on her, and oh, I was convinced she lost. But uh, Maddie Cameron thought she, that she won, and that's all that really mattered. What a great ride, managing to bump his way out. She was ready to go. She looked beautiful, and she just got it right. She's a mare that can be funny and do strange things. Could you see her kicking onto a railway or a telegraph? I mean, she seems to love shoot racing. I think that's the key, the latter, the, the telegraph and the shoot racing is the key around Mar- Maria Farina. You look at her two best performances to date, Louis, the Lightning at Trentham and the Stewarts at Rickerton. Both of those two races, as we know, are down the shoot, but more importantly, it was on the seven-day backup, both those victories. So I'm sure that will be the setup for the Weatherleys, looking at the telegraph, seeing a race that fits perfectly seven to ten days prior to the telegraph and she can be a big chance just looking on the numbers in terms of the stewards the speed rating was 1.1 length above the class but when you compare it to Babylon Berlin and what the likes of Maria Farina and I'm Wonderful Tonight need to find it's at least two lengths on what Babylon and Berlin has produced in the last 12 to 18 months. Okay that's very interesting. Now the stayers Obviously, Nestig was very, very firm. Uh, Waisaki was being backed and ran a massive race. The old boy, he just, he just needed a bit of a bunny to chase, you know. He, he wound up, but it was a beautiful ride again by Matt Cameron, actually, to give him every possible. But Sam Weatherly, well, he just sat in the box seat. He did. Look, uh, these, as it's very hard to grasp uh, a leading stayer. A lot of them are having their turns in the first three to four months of the season. But, uh, you look, the Metropolitan form stood up. Um, the winner came out of that race, Nestig, who was a gallant placing as well. So uh, these Northerners that were punted entering the carnival for the first time, the likes of Waisakis, etc., just ran honest races. But overall, uh, the Metro form was the key. Uh, the overall race rated about par. Let's have a look. They've gone out again extremely slow, which was the which was the format in the Metro. They've gone out 26 lengths below open class of the 600. So again, it really did suit horses up and in. And they've run home a strong last 600 and 35 and, uh, sorry, and 34 and change. So the overall uh, speed rating was uh, just over par. So no knock there. And this is what we've got in terms of these group of staying horses heading towards the likes of uh, the County's Cup. Possibly not the County's Cup because we're talking about that race this Saturday, but the City of Auckland Cup. Uh, the Waikato Cup, all these races that we're going to see over the New Year Christmas period, we're going to have this cusp of horses running there with the inclusion of one or two extra. But overall, it's a very even bunch thus far. Stephen, I'll get you out on this one. Do you suspect that the TAB Caracamillion three-year-old winner has been racing in the, the later part of spring? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Molly Bloom, a $4 equal favour of Tokyo Tycoon. Just on Tokyo Tycoon, I do believe from connections that he has really flourished in the last few weeks since he's spelled, he's put on weight, etc. So it will be interesting to see where he lines up and how he performs Tokyo Tycoon. But look, Molly Bloom, I think she was around about $10 leading into uh, the 1,000 guineas on the weekend. Post that victory, she's a $4 equal fave. Lupo Solitario at $6. Talisca at 10 And Pinta Ballot <clears throat> at $12. So, look, I, I'd be going with the safe bet here. Molly Bloom, from what I've seen, is three-year-olds, but I'm not dismissing Tokyo Tycoon. Mm, it'd be interesting to see, because I'm just looking through this market, right? I'm, I'm really curious to see how it, the, one, the horses that have been freshened and targeting this race are the horses that have come through spring and whether they can hold that form and, or even uh, get better and, you know, go to another level. So it'd be it'd be really interesting that part of summer. And we'll be back at Ellerslie. They galloped horses there yesterday. Warren Kennedy told us 
that uh, they could run a race meet there today. So I just think it's so exciting. It'll be a real festival, a carnival, just like the one down here was, mate. Uh, appreciate your time today. Thanks for all the good work you do, and we'll talk again very shortly. Cheers, Louis. Look forward to it, mate. There you go. Stephen Hunt. The blooming is done. A star is born. Molly Bloom. How good. Matthew Cross. At his best. I could honestly just watch it and listen to it just over and over and over. But we won't do that. Instead, we'll go away and we'll come back with a couple of your text messages.